You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. From across the stars, Commanders Michael Cohen, Matthew Krenke, and the Ragtag Crew are here to bring you stories of adventure and excitement from a galaxy far, far away. Get ready for tales of merciless bounty hunters, courageous heroes, and sinister villains from the core worlds to the outer rim and beyond. Hello there, and welcome back to Faster, More Intense, a Star Wars podcast. I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen, and with me, uh, we've got yet another special guest. Uh, as Matt continues to to get his house in order and uh, finish with his move and whatnot, uh, we have Ty from one of my absolute favorite YouTube channels, Wit and Folly, uh, joining us. Uh, thank you for being here, Ty. Hi. Uh, thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> um this is awesome. I've 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 been a fan of your stuff for for uh, since like I think just before Rise of Skywalker um, came out. I, you know, going through the YouTube videos and whatnot, and learning learning more about. I think I was like like on a a a, a YouTube rabbit hole of Ray stuff. I was I was I was learning some more about Ray, and and came across a, a couple of your videos. Um, about Ray and and uh, the hero's journey and and uh, heroine's journey as well and and all of that stuff um, and just like really enjoyed your stuff um, and then obviously when uh, as our listeners know all about it now because we talked about it a couple of weeks ago with Danielle I when I stepped on the hornet's nest and 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 got. I got stung by so many Raylos that the venom got into my body and turned me into a Raylo. <laughs> I, I, and then I went back to your videos uh, and and have have devoured them. Um, mm-hmm. And now I wait uh, for you to release new ones. And as soon as you do, I'm I'm in there watching them. So, um, so it's really exciting for me to have you on the podcast and introduce you to our audience um, for the for people who haven't seen my tweets or or whatever uh promoting your 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 videos but uh, i'm really excited we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get into it we're gonna talk about ray and the heroine's journey and all that stuff um in our main topic so i'm i'm super excited to have you on the podcast awesome yay i'm excited to get into it it's super fun to talk about these kinds of things and in this sort of casual format it's different yeah. from what i usually do so it's fun yeah it's definitely <laughs> more conversational i yeah I, so yeah we'll we'll kind of who knows where we'll end up by the end of the conversation hopefully we won't get into too much uh rise of skywalker bashing because i know that <laughs> that can be sensitive for some people mm-hmm. we're trying to sort of steer out of that right <laughs> as it were yes um and stay positive and talk about the stuff that we love but i uh, i before we get into all that stuff let's just really quickly touch on the news um and and as we were discussing before we started recording it's really not the news but more so the lack of news that yeah. we're going to talk about 
Um, <laughs> but but very pointedly, very specifically, today was the uh, the the Disney investors earnings call for for the third quarter. Um, and I going into it, there was an expectation from a lot of people that we were going to be getting a whole bunch of announcements, Star Wars announcements. I th- I would wager that a lot of people thought we were going to get like three or four big like like uh, bombshell announcements dropped in this earnings call. Mm-hmm. Um, those of us who have listened in on an earnings call in the past probably recognize that like we might get a detail or two about something that we've already heard about. But there, there were, I, I'm, I'm hard pressed to remember exactly what it was. Something did get sort of announced, like, like, uh, sort of like out the side door announced at, in an earnings call, um, either at the end of last year, at the beginning of this year. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, like those are so few and far between, like they very rarely happen. Um, but, but I think because of that and because of the climate in the last month or so of, of all of these leaks, uh, and I'll, I'm going to use quote fingers for that leaks, yes. um, <laughs> that we've been hearing about, uh, we've always on, on this podcast, if, if you're, if you're a new listener to faster, more intense, you, you haven't come over from rebel cells, um, rebel cells listeners will know that my policy is if it hasn't been announced by Lucasfilm or Disney, it's not real. It's not a thing mm-hmm. until it's been published on one of their websites until they've put out a press release. It's, it's a, it's rumor and speculation. Um, yeah. even if it comes from a very reliable source, even if it's on, in variety or the Hollywood reporter or, or deadline or coming directly from somebody involved with a project. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's, it's my personal policy that, that we talk about it as a rumor um, and we speculate like that's that we can we can talk about the possibility, but we don't talk about it as if it's a thing that's happening. Um, the the attitude lately has been um, I heard from a friend of a friend of mine that, you know, uh, Donald Glover is going to be Lando Calrissian in a Disney Plus series. And then all of a sudden everybody's picking it up as if it's a news story and it's a press release and it's an announcement. And there was an expectation today, I'll admit that like if any of these leaks are true that we might get sort of an acknowledgement in this investors call because once the news is out there um even though it's it's come out f- in an improper channel that that Disney as a corporation will want to now get behind that and talk to their investors and say you've probably heard about this there have <laughs> been some rumors and obviously it snuck out but yes we are developing x that didn't happen today. Mm-hmm. Um, the only mentions of Star Wars uh, were in regards to Disney Plus's success over the last three quarters for them. Well, four quarters, really, I guess. Um, the the Emmy nominations, not just specifically pertaining to... Because they actually, they just said 45 Emmy nominations across <laughs> across their, their portfolio. So they weren't just talking about Disney Plus. They were talking about FX. They were talking about ABC. They were talking about everybody. Um, uh, 45 nominations. So, so they just lumped The Mandalorian and, and Star Wars Resistance in with all of that. Um, and, then, and then there was a brief mention of Mandalorian coming in October, which we already knew from an announcement way back. I... I 
at the beginning of the year, I think. Um, and then in the Q&A portion when they were talking about the um, the lower than expected revenue from reopening the parks, uh, there, was, there was conversation around the expectation was that um, because the Galaxy's Edge and Rise of the Resistance, Galaxy's Edge had obviously opened back in the summer uh, in general, but the whole experience hadn't opened until the end of the year, right? With Rise of the Resistance. So they expected that that because the shutdown happened so early in the year that there were a lot of people that were waiting for that opportunity. But then COVID-19 and the, the surge in, in cases in Florida obviously affected any demand that there would have been was outweighed by the the fear of of COVID-19 so Mm -hmm. like that was it that was all they talked about was Star Wars the majority of what they talked about was the parks uh and and uh a little bit about the Marvel uh Disney Plus shows like very little (laughs) um carefully omitting any release window uh which they would have previously talked about um and then the big news that that Mulan is going to get a, a, a digital premiere um, mm-hmm. on Disney Plus, and they're they're going to test out with Mulan this new um, this new distribution model of it's confusing. This isn't really the place to talk about it necessarily, but but it might relate to Star Wars stuff in the future. So mm-hmm. uh, they're going to release Mulan for thirty dollars American, thirty dollars US, uh, on Disney Plus. <laughs> but you have to already be a subscriber to Disney Plus and you have to pay that one time fee and it's going to be a limit. It's a rental, right? Like it's it, mm-hmm. as 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 it is with so many of these other premieres. Um, so uh, what that could mean <laughs> for Star Wars in the future is is maybe nothing, because by the time that we get a star, another Star Wars movie, um, I think that we will be well out of COVID-19 because we're talking mm-hmm. about. 2023 now right so mm-hmm. um yeah but i i but people are kind of heralding it as a really big change in in distribution models for blockbuster movies like for a, for a massive tentpole movie like mulan to get released digitally at home uh for 30 dollars uh is is it's a big deal for Disney to do this. Um, mm-hmm. And they're obviously testing the waters to see if it'll work with Black Widow, which is the other one that they are sorely right. missing that revenue from. So, um, yeah, it, it that was the focus of the call was sort of how <laughs> we're dealing with COVID-19. And here's some of the direct things that we're going to do to try and get revenue back up. Uh, so yeah, it, it was the, the, the idea that we were going to get like, <laughs> like a star Wars celebration style announcement of something or a comic con announcement of something is I think a little bit foolhardy, but, uh, yeah, um, but that was the expectation nonetheless. So yeah, just because of the, the rumors, yeah, yeah there was, was not much else to go on. <laughs> no. And it, it, I, I talked about this last week and I'd, I'd be interested to hear your take on it, but I, mm-hmm. uh, there, there's been this conversation the last couple of weeks of um, specifically that Lucasfilm and Disney are holding back on Star Wars stuff because they're upset with the fans for not liking Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> like I, I think I, that's so silly. I mean, like I, I do think that they're holding back on Star Wars content, but I think that mm-hmm. they're re reevaluating 
because of pretty obvious reasons. Uh, I mean, I think there's plenty of reasons from many different perspectives for why they would be holding back on Star Wars content, many of which they've actually come out and talked about um, just from even from back when Solo came out, you know, some of the issues with that. And yeah, there's not there's nothing uh, nefarious or concerning or conspiratorial going (laughs) on. It's just, of course, they're reevaluating. They should be. I'm glad that they are. Yeah, and and that that's been my opinion as well is that the the um the speed with which they tried to match Marvel Studios was a bad idea. Um Yeah. And and they should have actually seen that coming because <laughs> DC went ahead and did it even worse. Uh Yes. cuz cuz it at least we have a few good movies out of out of the Disney Star Wars stuff. Um, and we've, and there's like the Mandalorian is fantastic and star Wars rebels was great. Like, like we've got a lot of really good star Wars content since the, the acquisition in 2012. Um, Mm -hmm. Warner brothers in DC have done nothing but, uh, uh, put out uh, I shouldn't say nothing. There are, (laughs) there are three or four good DCU movies, but, um, (laughs) but, but they, but even those good ones have been horribly mishandled. Um, Mm -hmm. and birds of prey, maybe you could, maybe you could blame on, on the pandemic, but I, yeah, I I think so. I think it was on the cusp of that. And that opening weekend was just the, the PR on that was so horribly handled because it actually wasn't a failure. It was very successful. Um, Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's a great movie. It's in my opinion, the best DCEU movie that they've put out. So, um, absolutely. Yeah, it's a uh, Disney should have been paying attention to mm-hmm. that and seen with Justice League and Batman v Superman, <laughs> Batman mm-hmm. v Superman. Very specifically, they should have been paying attention to um, because of one element that made its way over into Star Wars. Uh, they they rushing this stuff is a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Um, it, the 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 longer you take with it the better in a lot of instances let Absolutely. it let it gestate let it um let it happen when it needs to happen not when you want it to happen mm-hmm. but they obviously had uh timelines that they wanted to to I mean, the earnings call is a great example of it's like that's what it's all about i mean mm-hmm. i listened to those as a disney fan Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of the people who are actually calling into that are there because they have money on the line. <laughs> and yeah. if you look at the, the last five years of Disney, that, that number was just going up, 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 up to the highest it's ever been in the history of the company. And then it crashed in March to mm-hmm. the lowest it's been in like the last 10 years. Yeah. So uh, like these people are concerned <laughs> with <laughs> with with getting back that that growth that they had, but they they're always concerned with that, and that's that is Bob Iger's job. That's that is Bob Chapek's job. Like that's yeah. th- they yes they're gonna foster creative stuff, um, and I do think that Bob Iger is very good at that. Mm-hmm. Um, but but he's very good at that with the goal of we're going to make a lot of money off of it. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to put it absolutely. in the park. We're going to put it on a lunchbox. We're going to, it's going to be in a happy meal. Like all of that licensing stuff and the, that, that synergistic stuff to, to use a little bit of business speak. 
Um, like that's what they're concerned with. Mm-hmm. And that's what they were concerned with, with this stuff. So hitting, hitting that release window for rise of Skywalker was more important than rise of Skywalker being good. Cause they needed at least that billion dollars. Uh, yeah. In that window, like within that time period. Um, yeah. There's a lot of, you know, uh, people want to blame, Iger, people want to blame Kennedy, people want yeah. to blame JJ or Terry or whatever. And I actually tend to put more of the blame on Terry or than anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, you're, you're right. Like it's very simple. Like there's a different people want different things. You know, Kennedy wanted the production schedule to be on point and she wanted to make sure like yeah. that everyone knew what they needed to do to get the movie made and to make it make sense. And Iger wanted to make sure that all his shareholders were happy and yeah. JJ wanted to make sure that, you know, I think JJ's a good director. So, you know, he made sure that his actors had what they needed yeah. and that Terrio needed had what he needed. And, you know, he actually made some really interesting props <laughs> you know like um so yeah I, I, I but you know but they're they all dropped the ball in one way or another um yeah which it, just kind of had a domino effect on the whole franchise honestly I, I think i think what you see on the lucasfilm side of things that you don't see on the mcu side of things is um you see a bunch of sort of disparate elements working yeah. towards their goals as you just talked about Mm-hmm. But you don't see all of the elements working together like you see in the MCU, where yes. you see uh, where you see Kevin Feige working really closely with all of the directors to make sure that like, hey, uh, you know, for Taika Waititi doing Thor Ragnarok, there's some stuff that we can actually can like, can we use your movie to set up some stuff with Doctor Strange to get that character more familiar for the audience that may not have watched Doctor Strange because he's going to be a pretty big piece of Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like it's that kind of thinking that we're not seeing in Lucasfilm that Kathleen Kennedy is actually, I think, keeping everybody separate in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. Um I think to protect the, that production timeline. I think it's to protect the, yeah, I think that she is, tr- I I would assume she's trying to change her strategy because I think that it's been hard for her to take that position between someone like Disney and then, you know, and Iger and then something like Lucasfilm, which doesn't really have any other properties other than Star Wars. So she's trying to make it so that, like, Star Wars stays within this small like this idea of a small production company, mm-hmm. you know, which was what Lucas was always trying to hold. It's, it's this idea of this independent production company yeah. with really interesting technology, with you know, working with ILM. And then she's bridging that gap to Disney. And like already people have this idea that Star Wars is like Disney. It is as big as Disney. But she knows better than anyone what's come out of Lucasfilm and she knows better than anyone that things like Indiana Jones and you know all of those all of those stories those great stories yeah. came from you know small groups working together without like this looming big brother that Disney all of a sudden has become so yeah she probably did separate them yeah. and that's a pretty good point to make and it's something that I'm reevaluating because I really like Kennedy as a producer I think she's done an amazing job with her past films and it's like you know trying to figure out okay what was her role in this film what was her role in that film because producers change hats 
depending on the kind of yeah. team that they're working with. And now I'm like, what is she going to do? Because it worked with The Last Jedi. It worked with The Force Awakens. It worked with, you know, she obviously knew what she was doing when she changed up things with Rogue One and Solo. Mm -hmm. And she fired people and hired people. And, okay, well, why did it not go well here? You know, Um, I have my opinions on it, but it's all speculation. Sure, sure. (laughs) So it's, yeah, no, it's really interesting to kind of analyze those aspects. So. Uh, yeah, but, but I digress. I, <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I, I, all of that is to say that the the news is that there was no news that. Uh, <laughs> yes. I, Disney wants Star Wars to make money. That's 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 what their primary focus is for that property. They're um, trying really hard. <laughs> there was, I actually, you know what? I'm wrong. There was one more mention of Star Wars, and it was in reference to merchandise. They mm. talked a lot. Oh about, yeah, not a lot, that. but like there was a, there was a really big point made of uh, Star Wars and Frozen Two merchandise. Um, mm. I think in regards to Q three four of this year, mm. um, they like there is there there's not going to be any of that, right? Like like that was a big that was a big part of 2019 for them. Um, mm-hmm. was was obviously frozen to a massive massive revenue generator um, that probably helped them all the way through until the middle of this year um, yeah. rise of Skywalker I think probably less so but they did see a bump recently at least at least within the last month with all the Mandalorian merchandise that finally came out all of the all the that 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 yes. uh, swarm of baby Yoda stuff oh my that goodness, all came out yes. at once mm-hmm. but I uh, but the, there are concerns without the without the content. There's no, they're, they're, that's one of their main pieces of marketing capital, right? Yeah. Is uh, get people to see the movie, and then they want to buy the toy from the movie, or you know, get the Happy Meal, or get the get the T-shirt, or whatever. And mm-hmm. and they're not going to see that because there are no there are no tent poles. To, yes. to promote right now so yes um so that's a i think that that's a big concern for them so like i said like they want to make money off of star wars uh <laughs> and they should like that's a, at the end of the day um yes it's a creative endeavor but you don't get more star wars movies unless star wars is making money um, yeah like it's taken a really really long time for them to get around to making a sequel to the last starfighter which is a great piece of uh, pop culture film, but uh, <laughs> but uh, did not make anybody any money back in 1984, I think, when it came out. Um, <laughs> so uh, no one's interested in making more Last Starfighter stuff, but Star Wars generates revenue, so they that's what they want it for. Yeah. Um, and that's why we keep getting so much Star Wars content. Uh, but <laughs> but there is the idea that... that, that that we haven't gotten any announcements. We're not getting anything. And it's like, um, they just like a month ago announced a new animated series that we're going to get next year. Like, yeah, that's a, that was a big announcement that just happened. They don't now, they don't need to do that every week. Like people, I think get, get, um, they're, they're, they're so forward thinking. They don't, the second that something has happened, they forget about it. Yeah. Um, well, I also think that, like, as Star Wars fans, when there is no content, when people are disappointed with recent content, mm-hmm. and they're disappointed with, like, kind of new content announcements, like the 
like the recent animated show that was announced. Um, I I don't you know I think that there it's okay to demand content as a yeah. fan. I think that that is a fair you know it's a fair criticism. It's a fair demand especially for something like Star Wars. Um, and when fans are unhappy and they're bored, you know, <laughs> like yeah. that's what they do. They say, I'm not getting what I want. Where is what I want? And, you know, why am I here? Why am I spending money on it? Like I've already sworn off buying official Lucasfilm merch and trying to only, um, trying to only buy like fan made content mm. while they're not creating content that's for me while they're not creating like you know feminine gaze content like and and that's my that's my prerogative to do so i mean yeah like i said like it's fans should demand what they want yeah absolutely i i I agree with you i the Mm -hmm. the when when the the content's not there Mm -hmm. we kind of have to find it in other ways it's why um i think that uh, I've 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 been doing a lot of drawing lately. I've been just kind of like crafting <laughs> my own story with the characters, because because uh, the ending that we got wasn't satisfactory to me. So yeah, I really feel like like I I the best way for me to work through it is is to generate that content myself, right? Yeah, I wish um, more people would take that mindset in, yeah. in a way, especially it's, a lot of guys. <laughs> it's the it's the idea that canon trumps anything else for some yes. reason yes they, and they the official lucasfilm stamp holds more weight than <laughs> than uh, any of us fans like they they let's say for example a book that just came out today uh with uh, uh poe dameron freefall that alex segura because he's gotten the go-ahead from lucasfilm somehow has more authority to tell us who poe is as a character than mm anybody else Mm -hmm. and obviously people who are in the fan fiction community understand that that's not true that like they they and and i think for me because because i have so many characters that i love that come from uh uh at this point almost hundred year legacies like like superman um you can't be a superman fan and care about the 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 canon of it because yeah. <laughs> when you, like if somebody says, well, is that a canon Superman story? It's like, which one? Mm-hmm. Because there are more versions of Superman than I can count. Um, and, and, and that's fine because it's not about, it's not about which version of Superman is the real Superman. It's about what is the true heart of the character? Why does he exist? Why, why is that mythology important to us? And does the story that I just experienced hold true to that mythology, hold true to that character in the heart of that character? Mm-hmm. Um, for me, Rise of Skywalker doesn't hold true to the mythology of Star Wars. It certainly doesn't do justice to the character's journeys, in my opinion. Um, and I know for other people that they're perfectly fine with it, that they that they actually like what Rise of Skywalker delivered. And that's fine. So for them, Rise of Skywalker <laughs> can be it. And I personally feel like, okay, Rise of Skywalker is part of the story, but I'm going to I'm going to now <laughs> continue the story um, so that I can resolve those threads until such time as Lucasfilm decides that they're going to resolve those threads for me. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And will they resolve those threads in a satisfactory way? I, you know what? I'm gonna 
couch my expectations and say probably not. I completely agree. <laughs> um, if if Poe Dameron Freefall is any indicator, um, my idea of that character is different from other people's idea of that character and what he stands for and why he exists. Yeah. I, I think that Charles Soule had it pretty figured out because those comics were pretty good. Yes. But yeah, uh, he, but even he had some things that were like questionable some weird in terms stuff in there too, yeah. for sure. But yeah. but you know, like I I what that character is to me might not be the same as what it is to you or to anybody listening. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna tell my version of the story for that character. Um which is going to involve a romantic story with Finn, because I think that that's something that needed to be told. I I agree with yeah. Oscar Isaac, who played the character, that yeah. that was the direction that that character should have gone in order for him to mean something. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, the parallels to Han Solo and to Harrison Ford's journey with that character are so interesting. Totally. We'll, che- we'll check back in 30 years and see. I. Uh, <laughs> see where it's ended but i uh, i yeah like i like i i and i think that all fans should feel free to do that like yes absolutely the the the, the money part of it is owned by disney mm-hmm. the creative part of it belongs to anybody who wants a piece of it like absolutely. If, if you want to create with those characters create with those characters mm-hmm. um and if you want money from it, just just you know go the go the Fifty Shades of Grey route and you know write your <laughs> fanfic and then just change everybody's names, change the <laughs> setting slightly, and and call it your own thing. Because um, I hate that to happens. break it to to all all the diehard Star Wars fans, that's how Star Wars happened in the first place. Yeah, George Lucas couldn't get the rights to Flash Gordon, so he <laughs> made up his own Flash Gordon. And like it, Star Wars is a Flash Gordon fanfic, and you'll never convince me otherwise. So, I love that way of looking at yeah, it. So it's it, so simple. <laughs> we have just as much right to play with the characters as anybody else. Absolutely. Um, otherwise, they wouldn't make action figures. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> cool. With that, we're going to take a break for ads, uh, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the heroine's journey and uh, and Ray. Woo. All right. So I. Uh, where to begin in this conversation? Uh, I think I think it's important for the audience that might not know anything about the heroine's journey as opposed to the hero's journey. Um, I, th- I don't think we need to talk too much about like the uh, primer for for Joseph Campbell, uh, hero with a thousand faces, all that stuff. Like mm-hmm. I th- I think that that Star Wars fans know that stuff at least enough, like uh, like have a working knowledge of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. To, to listen to a conversation about it. But the the heroine's journey, uh, it, so it's related directly to the hero's journey, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Basically, um, the heroine's journey is in multiple, in multiple ways. There's multiple writers of what you can call the heroine's journey. A lot of them wrote about this kind of right after Campbell's time. I want to say even a lot of them were his students. So... A lot of people know that Joseph Campbell taught at a, a school that was almost predominantly all women, uh, Sarah at Sarah Lawrence University, and they were all studying myth under him. And a lot of these women went on to write their own works about kind of putting themselves into that hero's journey because Campbell could not do that for them. 
Um, and there is, there are two, I would say, kind of predominantly like, like, you know, very well-known writers of this. Uh, one is Maureen Murdoch with The Heroine's Journey, uh, and that is the name of the book as well, The Heroine's Journey. And then there's, um, let me make sure I pronounce her name correctly. Uh, there's another book called Women Who Run With the Wolves uh, by Clarissa Pinkola Estes, Estes um, Dr. Uh, Clarissa, actually. She, uh, she is basically writing about the same thing, uh, but they write about it in very different ways. So the idea about the heroine's journey is about taking the idea of studying mythology. It's not, so a lot of people say, oh, they're just writing the, the hero's journey, but they're putting women in there. They're writing it from a women's perspective. It's really, it's not that simple. Um, there's a lot more going on here. It's about the same thing that Campbell was talking about, but we're we're taking it a step further for what it means for women in society. And it's a lot more complicated uh, through certain certain steps of the journey. So from Maureen Murdoch's perspective, she tends to use a lot of, like I would say these are the two diff main differences between these two authors, which I find fascinating. Maureen Murdoch tends to take more uh, water symbolism, uh, whales, ocean, uh, falling into the abyss. She talks a lot with women um, in her practice and therapy, people are women who are going through like depression, and she talks through their stories and she relates those stories. She talks about their dreams. She talks a lot about like Jungian psychology through that. And, you know, talks about those journeys in that way. And then in um, Dr. Este's work in Women Who Run With Wolves, she talks about this idea of the wild woman. She talks more about getting in touch with the nature of yourself and she compares everything to wolves which are obviously a more aggressive symbol than something like water which is more about returning to the womb if we're talking symbols um so yeah so these two women i would say are kind of the beginning of the more feminine the, more, more the feminine uh looking at mythology looking at what i call kind of the um the black market of myth, which is the feminine myth, because those stories were passed down from woman to woman. They were passed down from mother to daughter most of the time, from grandmother to granddaughter. And those myths, as I say, like the black market of myth, they were always there. They were mm. always there. But people like Campbell wouldn't have picked up on that because they were not written down and they were not studied and they were not reiterated into stories. Mm -hmm. So so yeah, that's the that's sort of the beginning of what the heroine's journey is. Yeah. And from a more I would say from a more like, you know, what is a difference kind of thing? What's the difference between the hero's journey and the heroine's journey and what does it add? Um well, first of all, like guys can go on a heroine's journey. This is something I try to talk about a little bit sometimes, um, more in a conversation setting, like on podcasts. But uh, 
men can go on a heroine's journey because the extent of the heroine's journey and what it kind of expands upon is the need to reclaim the feminine part of yourself, which a lot of men have also let go of. Mm-hmm. And then when you reclaim that, you know, when you reclaim that feminine part of yourself, having to meld those two parts of yourself together, the feminine and the masculine, and finding who you are through that, because no one is just one or the other. Um, you know, finding finding that balance within yourself. Campbell talks about it, and you know, and that's a big part of the the heroine's journey as well. So it's really very similar, but I would say that the heroine's journey is very honest about more of the modern society and what most people are going through. And I would say it's actually more, it's more applicable to what more, more people are going through because a lot of men have abandoned that that femininity. And in fact, I today I watched <laughs> The Legends of the Fall for the first time. And I was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> this film was made in like, uh, was it like the 1990s or something? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I don't know why I had never watched it before, but that mo- that film, if you've ever seen it, is filled with feminine imagery. And it is all about, and masculine imagery, because it is all about Tristan trying to reclaim the feminine that he never had because mm-hmm. his mother left uh but his mother basically abandoned him she was still around but she was not giving him the intimacy and the femininity that he needed so it was it's a tragedy but the but the story is all about it's all about reclaiming that femininity and you know combining it with the with the masculine aspects of oneself so so that's kind of a, a i would say a more a uh, new agey kind of way of summarizing the 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 heroine's journey and and mm-hmm. summarizing kind of like what what that femininity is um in terms of storytelling and in terms of star wars it plays out a little differently i would say it, well and it hasn't it hasn't played out completely it, the yeah, way that it, it, it should it's, it's incomplete right like it, it's like, incomplete that's, yeah that's that's one of the main um criticisms for for rise of skywalker is that is that the last jedi if i'm you can correct me right because if i'm mm-hmm. understanding it then the last jedi <clears throat> really uh propels race specifically on on a heroine's journey that 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 doesn't get finished but there's also mm-hmm. the i mean like you you could also you were talking about it in terms of like men can go on a heroine's journey as well and i would say with the conversation we were having before we started recording about poe mm-hmm. i would say that like like he also started on a path to yes. to to reclaiming that femininity and and it's actually i was i was watching one of your videos earlier tonight um <laughs> in prep for this and i i it, it it like I I had that revelation in the midst of the video. So so you're doing something right. Oh uh, yeah. Because <laughs> I was watching it and I was like, because it was a piece that I hadn't figured out yet. I I was really thinking of it specifically in terms of Ray. Mm-hmm. Um, and but but as I'm trying to understand like why is this stuff resonating with me, I was like, oh, because all of this stuff 
is it like it's still important for me as a guy to yes. understand my feminine side and and to be able to uh, to put it to words and express it and know when it needs to be fed and, and when the masculine side needs to be fed and stuff like that like that's a it's as with all things and with Star Wars <laughs> it's all about balance mm-hmm. so um so yeah like I was definitely watching the video going like yeah okay I I think I'm starting to finally get what some of this is about um and yeah. and then our conversation definitely talking about Poe and talking about his uh his uh <laughs> inability to sort of I I I I deal with in the moment um women in in positions of authority the way that yeah. he the way that he deals with Leia, uh, who who mm-hmm. treats him very much as a son, and that's very intentional in the story. Uh, I think, especially in the Last Jedi, it's there's a there are a lot of elements there that I was really hoping we get. And in a different world, had Carrie not passed, I think that 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 there would have been some threads that carried through into Episode Nine, uh, into a different version of that movie, <clears throat> in regards to Poe and Ben. And her replacing her son, like like yeah. her having really like like, and which it's good for Poe because that's what Poe needed, and it's good for his journey. <laughs> but it wasn't the right thing for either Leia or Ben. It's very detrimental yeah. to Ben that Leia was able to replace him with this other son that she yeah. has, um, and 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 that never gets reconciled. That that's one thing that never gets reconciled. The story with Holdo, I think, is a little bit more complete. Mm-hmm. his his journey with her but but his experience with Holdo and where that ends up and where that puts him to me was honestly like the beginning of that journey for him like that's like Absolutely. the first act for him of of that journey into becoming a more complete man a, a, a better person and yeah. and for what Leia wanted for him a better leader right? yeah um that was more oh. compassionate more thoughtful more uh, uh, willing to sacrifice. Yeah, 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 exactly. And those are those those feminine type traits. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, with with The Last Jedi, I think that one of the things that with Poe that a lot of women sort of were fascinated by, which, you know, we talked about this a little bit too before recording, was that Poe was the Han Solo type character. And um, people like Holdo, Holdo and Leia acting for him as mentors, two different types of mentors, but they were very much mentors. Mm. Uh, women looked at that and they said, hey, like, that's really cool. Like, we don't usually get that because women in Star Wars, especially motherly figures, especially older women yeah. figures, have to die in order to propel the men forward. Their death the loss of that feminine figure is a tragedy for the men and they go off to war and they go off to fight their causes in order to kind of avenge the women and their lives. You know, we see it with Anakin. We see it. um, We kind of see it with Luke in a way, you know, and it's just, it's just like this perpetual thing in so much of the story, so much so that it's in a book that was released recently that I won't say, so I won't give away any spoilers, but, but yeah, like, but to see that that Holdo, who did die in the last in the last Jedi, but she gave something to Poe without dying. She mm-hmm. gave something to Poe 
before she she sacrificed herself. Um, she already gave him the lesson. She passed it down more of a Yoda type figure, yeah. you know, but this feminine, badass, dress wearing Yoda type figure that we had not seen before. It was just the coolest yeah. thing ever. And 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 then and then like you said like with the with the continuation of that it felt like a lot of those lessons that were that had been learned uh still had not really been uh passed down into the next the next iteration of his story the next part of the story yeah. and in fact if you were to just watch the last jedi poe you would think that he had an overbearing mother yeah. Like you really I, I don't know, maybe that's just me, but like watching The Last Jedi, I would think that Poe had mommy issues in yeah. which is not a bad thing, by the way. No, everybody I, has yeah, it, I, everybody it, has parental this, issues. This is this is what we were talking about. And and yeah. and, and we like well, like the core of it is is that when we look at uh, even even uh, like the way that Campbell talked about it, it's yeah. ultimately always about our relationship with our parents. It's about where we came from, right? It's about yes. it's about, uh, and I think it's like there are a lot of elements of like the the sins of the father and 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 that sort of thing that carry through. Those are the mythic things in Star Wars that that I think resonate. And exactly. Poe's story, the way that that he bristles uh, at at Holdo's. Uh, sort of talking down to him um, mm-hmm. and certainly the way that, that he's combative with Leia who he knows knows better than him yes. but he's still argumentative it mm-hmm. definitely points to a contentious relationship with his mother exactly um, and what we know of his mother from previous stuff you kind of you can you can fill in those gaps really easily so if you're a fan of the character of Poe Dameron Everything that happens with him in the Last Jedi makes perfect sense because what we see of Shara Bay in in uh, in Shattered Empire is mm-hmm. that like she is very no nonsense. She is in <laughs> control of the situation. She's a fighter pilot. So for Poe, growing up in let's say let's just go ahead and say that the galaxy in Star Wars is a little bit patriarchal. Uh, we don't need to give evidence for it, but let's just say because the people who are writing the stories previously were almost always men, yeah, that it is definitely a patriarchal society, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and if Poe is growing up in that society that is very similar to ours, he's going to have a lot of the same uh, systemic issues that men have today. Mm-hmm. So it's not a matter of going like people go, oh, there's too much of like the the modern issues in it, and it's like, well. I hate to break it to you, but that's that's the point of genre storytelling. Yes, is that exactly. we can take our modern issues and we can put them in a different context so that we can examine them from a safe mm-hmm. distance. Yeah, maybe pose a little bit too real. I that might be the thing is that <laughs> Ryan Johnson's story was so so on point mm-hmm. with the way because because I I said to you I felt it in the theater that first night that I saw it. When mm-hmm. Poe has that moment where Holdo is announced as 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 uh, taking over command, mm-hmm. and he, like, he gets himself all psyched up and then is immediately deflated. Yeah, and so he's in a bad place and can't yes. deal with her telling him, "You just got demoted, so I don't have to tell you anything. So go go to your post and wait for orders, just oh, yeah. like you're supposed to. Be a good soldier. That it. There's no way." There is no way <laughs> that Poe has not had similar conflicts with his mother. Absolutely. Of, of like, I'm your mom. Yeah. You are a child. 
you just did something wrong. Go to yeah. your room. Absolutely. <laughs> right? That's that's the vibe there. And and maybe that is too real. Maybe that's maybe that is a little bit too difficult for a lot of men to get in there. Uh, laser well, it, swords and spaceships, right? You know, because a lot of women saw that and they they kind of they kind of inflated a little bit. They're saying, yeah. "Hey, wait a minute, yeah. that's like, I I, I want to see more of that because you see so much of it on the opposite end, you know, with yeah. the with the with the opposite type of thing going on, and that's especially in those types of genre stories. And that kind of reminds me of, um, you know, a lot of people like you said, you're saying it's very real to you, and you felt it yeah. was very real. I felt it was very real. Um, but you know, I think people get in their minds sometimes that mythical storytelling has to be reminiscent of Greek myth or, you know, uh, any other myth that they know of or fairy tale. Yeah. Yeah. But like, they all have it like in this idea that it has to be like this kind of like very specific myths that they are familiar with. And that's not what mythical storytelling is. Mythical storytelling is the myth of today it is the zeitgeist it is the the feeling and the spirit of the time mm-hmm. um and the myth is constantly changing so yeah there are symbols that are that permeate all throughout her, human history and there are you know um we, we still we still have like you know the myers-briggs stuff and Jungian archetypes that are yeah. uh, very much similar to you know astrology you know, there there are certain bridges of science and more like not science type things. And um, all of these things connect throughout all of human history and we can see those threads. But the parallels themselves are not paralleling a different time. Like if they don't resonate with the here and now, then there's no point in using yeah. it, you know. And I've talked about this a lot lately in, in a video and... Because I, because I got really stuck on the fact that Charles Soule was so focused on this idea that uh, the, the original trilogy or the, the original trilogy characters, the main trio, mm-hmm. uh, Luke, Leia, and Han were gods and uh, of like the Greek, uh, the Greek myths of the pantheon. And I think he, I don't think he used the word pantheon, but Chris Terrio used the word pantheon, mm-hmm. and he said the exact same thing of the original trilogy of the uh, of the uh, original trio and the original trilogy characters. He said that they were like the they had to earn their way into the Jedi uh, pantheon, and I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. Because this is not like why are we taking Greek myth is not the only myth in the world. That sure. that is yeah. not where myth is. That is not the that is not the only great myths of the world. And even Campbell knew that. Campbell yeah. doesn't just talk about Greek myths. In fact, like he barely talks about Greek myth. Mm-hmm. Um, he was far more interested in Native American myth. He was far more interested in Eastern myth. Um, so to, to see that with people who are writing Star Wars is very concerning. Yeah. Well, and 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 the 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 mythology that George Lucas was concerned with was very much Eastern, right? Like yes. Yoda is not—he's not a Greek god; he's a Buddha, right? Like, mm-hmm. like that character is very much a Buddha, um, uh, like it, like to the to the to the degree of like the the mercurial nature of of although that's I'm using a Greek reference to to talk about Buddha. <laughs> but like his like the 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 laughing Buddha aspect of it where it's like we have mm-hmm. the 
two aspects of Yoda's character, the, the, the silly Yoda and then the serious Yoda. And, and one of my favorite moments in all of star Wars is when Yoda turns on a dime. He's mm-hmm. he's cooking his soup and and Luke is eating it and it tastes awful to Luke and and uh, and and Yoda's just kind of doing his thing, doddering around in his house and then Luke loses it. He has one of his, <laughs> his little boy tantrums. It's like I don't know what we're doing here. We're wasting our time. And Yoda just on a dime turns he's to <laughs> to the wise yeah to the wise and master of like. I can't do it. I can't teach him. He's he's too old. Like this. Yeah. He he doesn't have the temperament. We are going down the same path that we went with Vader, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it 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 uh that that character is so archetypical of of I uh, I like that that Buddha of the 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 kung fu master, right? Yes. Like from yes, from yes. from the kung fu movies and 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 samurai stories and that sort of thing. Um and that's where we know, we know for a fact, like, like academically, we know that George Lucas was looking at that stuff when he mm-hmm. was conceiving the Jedi. It's why they dress the way that they do. It's the samurai sword aspect of it, mm-hmm. of the lightsaber. It's the, the, the fact that Kurosawa was such a massive influence on his storytelling. And to me, it's, yeah. the, thing, it's the thing that Ryan Johnson got the most right was in oh, like, yeah. When he said we're and as well as Dave Filoni and John Favreau with the Mandalorian, when they went to write their Star Wars stories, they didn't go to Star Wars to figure out how to write Star Wars. Right. They went to the things that George Lucas brought went into to. Star Wars. Oh yeah, and and, and I do. I do want to say something about that too because I've gotten um, <laughs> I've got guys jump on my butt on Twitter yeah. who are obsessed with like Kurosawa and you know um like Buddhism and, and samurai stories and who know it far better than I do mm-hmm. but they like to mansplain at me <laughs> that Star Wars is mostly that like they're like yeah. no 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 Star Wars is not based on this it's based on this and I'm like you know like okay for instance um you know Star Wars is a fairy tale Mm-hmm. I'll you know say that or Star Wars is a, a big a big part of Star Wars that is the center of the story is love it's romance. What are you talking about? Star Wars is based on Kurosawa and it's based on samurai stories and it's based on that I you know whatever I don't know I you know I've I've gone back and I watched a lot of those films yeah. and guess what? <laughs> it's all the same. It's all the same. You know, I went back and I watched, um, what was that one movie? Oh Lord. It's the one with the fire and the one that, um, ah, the one with the, uh, the, the girl who's like the princess, but she's like a secret princess. It's a Kurosawa film. I'm not a Kurosawa and- expert, so I can't help you. Oh, okay. Well, everybody will know what I'm talking about anyway. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 you know, it's a really, like, famous movie. And it has, like, in the very beginning, you have, like, the C-3PO character and the R2-D2 character, and they become, like, the comedy oh, are we, for the Are we talking film. about the Hidden Fortress? Is yes, that, we're talking yeah. about, we are talking about the Hidden Fortress. Thank you. Okay. So we're talking about the Hidden Fortress. I knew it would come to me eventually. But, yes. <laughs> um, so, Hidden Fortress, uh, it, at the very center of that movie, you know, with all of the other stuff that's happening, all of the aesthetic stuff, like the samurai stuff, all of the honor of the, you know, the main samurai character who has to go and fight, like, you know, the guy who is kind of his arch enemy and whatnot. What happens, like, at the climax of that film and at the very end? 
It's about love. It's about community. It's about a song. And it's done with intense symbolism of a fire chant, you know? And that fire chant, that song that is sung, that brings tears to your eyes while you're watching it. Absolutely just like drowning in my tears watching it. You know, the enemy at the very end of that film starts singing that song. And that becomes how... You know, that's how everybody gets out of the conflict. That's how they all are saved in the end. It's through a song and Mm. through love. Like, to me, I, I, you know, I thought, I thought like, okay, well, what are they seeing that I don't see? And what is this, you know, this, oh, that's not what it's about. It's about this. And I went back and I watched it and I'm like, that's all about love. Like, y'all are missing something. Like, I I think, I think... (laughs) I think that they that men uh, tend to have an experience with with pop culture where they take away the things that they've been trained to take away from it, and yeah. and that is very much the masculine stuff. It's the tough guy stuff. It's the it's the, so when they're talking about samurai movies, they're <laughs> thinking about the fighting they're thinking about the swords they're thinking about about the the conflict like the direct conflict aspects of it and you see it in star wars as well when we talk about especially guys when we talk about the our favorite things in star wars it's so easy to immediately go to the lightsaber battles Mm -hmm. right as if that's what the movies are about but which lightsaber battles are the best ones (laughs) Because Battle of the Heroes in Revenge of the Sith is certainly the most impressive, right? Yeah. It's it's definitely, it's the most choreography. It's the longest. It's got (laughs) the biggest set pieces to it. Um, But why does the fight between Obi-Wan and Vader on the Death Star without any of the context of the prequels... Yeah. Right? Or the very little pieces of context that we get within A New Hope itself. Why does that work so well? And it's because and it, it's because of the emotional content of it, not because of the choreography, right? Yes. But that's what everybody wants to talk about. Yes. And, then, and when it comes to the love aspect of it, like you talk about the, a Kurosawa movie that is about all of these things that ends with a with a, a, a with love and, and, a, and a song and all of this yeah. stuff. It's like, well, how does how does Star Wars end? originally like the original trilogy how does it end how how do how does the original star wars end the original star wars ends with a song it just doesn't have any lyrics but you can kind of imagine lyrics to it (laughs) and they all get their medals and everybody's happy but yes how does how does the original trilogy end it ends not with luke destroying vader and the emperor but Mm -hmm. with luke throwing down his lightsaber and saying i won't do it i choose love over anger yeah and if that means that i'm to be destroyed then i'm to be destroyed but but it's more important for me to make this choice now mm-hmm. than to go down the same path that my father went down and that's yeah. the ultimate story of luke skywalker right yeah and this is like this is the main problem with star wars that still hasn't been solved is that you know and if it would have been if it would have ended with the original trilogy we would not be obviously we would not be here having this conversation <laughs> but like they they're continuing the stories on to to 
to tell something to there's a reason Mm -hmm. but they don't i don't think they have a reason i think they thought they had a reason but they don't know what that is and therefore like we said they need to slow down they need to figure it out because the ultimate problem with star wars is that these characters are not understanding that they have to reclaim their feminine and they have to bring it back Mm -hmm. home and they have to reunite that with the community and the community has to be able to respect life you know the i this idea of the you know the star wars you know everybody laughs about it because you know perpetual war is a part of the 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 whole thing that's the whole story but if it is a part of the whole story then like where is it going is it going to continue to perpetuate like that doesn't that doesn't mean anything and and for me i think one one of the interesting things is that coming out of the last jedi one of one of my opinions was that the Lucasfilm was not setting up an end to the saga that they were actually with the last Jedi with where with where Ben was left and where Rey is left they're setting up that that the ninth movie is actually the beginning of the rest of the story and mm-hmm. I I was anticipating that it would yes be the end of the Skywalker saga meaning the numbered films but that those characters of of Rey and Kylo Ren as the 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 two sides of of light and dark mm-hmm. would be fighting in perpetuity because we want to make money off of these movies for a long time. So <laughs> these characters are successful. Let's set them up in a position because I really feel like 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 I felt at the time I maybe don't feel this way 100% anymore. I'm I'm definitely <laughs> like it's it's interesting where Ben could have gone especially when we talk about heroine's journey and and that reclaiming the 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 feminine and that stuff but mm-hmm. at the time certainly after walking out of that movie I was like they're setting this up that that Ben is irredeemable that mm-hmm. that he that he had his chance at redemption in the same way that Vader did that that Rey was willing to sacrifice herself in order to bring him back and instead of taking that hand he rejected it and said, no, I want power more than I want companionship. Mm-hmm. Right. And that that would lead him down a path to ultimately becoming like the emperor. Right. Yeah. And that what we were actually seeing with that character wasn't the beginning of Darth Vader, but was the beginning of Palpatine. Right. Yeah. And that we'd be going down that path with him. And that maybe in 20 years, we would get to resolve that story after another 10 movies right. with these characters in the same way that, you know, Tony Stark is like, if you think that Tony Stark <laughs> is done in the MCU, it's like he's done for a little while. They'll bring him back in another five or ten years yeah. um, and, and there will be more stories to, to deal with him. But um, <laughs> it'll be Spider-Man stuff in another ten years. But um, but yeah, like like I thought that's what we were setting up and that Ray was going yeah. to be. Uh, beginning the new, the next Jedi Order, and when I said when they said Rise of Skywalker, I was like, Skywalker is a title now. It's not yeah like like the Skywalker bloodline isn't isn't what they're talking about. They're, the Rise of Skywalker is referring to two things. It's referring to the rise of Kylo Ren as the ultimate evil, but also a new order of Jedi called Skywalkers, right? Mm-hmm. And that that would be the ultimate legacy of Anakin and Luke Skywalker, and 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 their their stories. Um, that's obviously not what we got, but no. I, but I also think that there's a there's a possibility that Disney and Lucasfilm may have been going down that path, and that's what Ryan Johnson was told, yeah. and that's the story that he was writing um, mm-hmm. and setting up for the next guy, and then 
his movie wasn't received in the way that they necessarily wanted it to be. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. And instead it, of instead of looking for the success amidst the the apparent surface lack of mm-hmm. success, even though the movie made money, made tons of money, it made more than enough money. But if they had looked past the angry fanboys, the people mm-hmm. who were upset that Luke Skywalker didn't behave the way that they wanted him to behave, that he wasn't Captain America with a lightsaber, yeah, um, but was instead a much more flawed, much more interesting character, <laughs> I, I, because they didn't react to that the way that, they, that I think Disney wanted them to, mm-hmm. um, that they did an about face. And, and that's when the messaging of... The episode nine is going to finish the saga. It's going mm-hmm. to complete the story. <clears throat> and I think that I think that that Terrio and Abrams were given the task, the impossible task of pulling a 180 on that car and 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 stopping it on a dime. I mean, okay, right? let me let me let me give you let me give you my short summary sure. of what I thought could have happened where they could have finished off the Skywalker saga in a satisfying manner and continue stories through all of time in the same universe. Yeah. Ben and Ray sacrifice themselves, give up their force what what is inside of them, their force powers. They give it up to the universe which brings ultimate balance to the force. They give up their power. There's some probably mortis, you know, parallels with mm. the with the the daughter and uh, the son yeah. uniting. Uh, however, it would be romantically because that would be the most you know epic way to do it. But they transcend, they die, but they also transcend. They go to another plane of existence where they can be together forever. And they essentially become, you know, gods and they are gone. But they are remembered through certain sects of the universe. Mm. And so is Palpatine. And Palpatine is either redeemed or destroyed or whatever, or everybody dies a few years later. There's a bunch of ways this could go. However, the biggest point is that hundreds of years later in the Star Wars universe, um, Everything has been peaceful for years. There has not been any war. And then all of a sudden, like a young person, young boy, girl, whatever, young diverse person, hopefully, like (laughs) digs up like an old statue of like Palpatine. Hmm. And like this community starts like worshiping Palpatine or like somebody digs up an old statue of Ben and Ray together and they start worshiping Ben and Ray, which totally goes against like the whole idea of them in the first place. And mm-hmm. it, you know, and then that's when the, the, the power starts becoming unbalanced again. And the universe is when people start taking up the old relics of the past and worshiping them in the same way that Kylo Ren was worshiping Vader's helmet, you know, because those relics carry with them the spirits of the people that had them before, as we have seen. So, so yeah, like there are so many ways that this could have continued on with a satisfying ending where you can end the line of Skywalkers, that is fine. Or, you know, Ray and Ben could have taken the name Solo and you, and you could have forgotten a lot of this really complex stuff, you know? Um, but yeah, I, 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 I definitely think that what was really funny about the whole thing was that the establishing of the of the romantic relationship between 
Ben and Ray mm-hmm. was so obvious in The Last Jedi that they had to make them kiss in the next film. Yeah. They had to. They had to. And for anyone that says that, like, it wasn't obvious in The Last Jedi, your proof is the kiss. It, it, I, so I was one of the people, right? And, and yeah. I've talked about this, is that, like, like at the time, I was one of those people that was like, was like, I get it. There's like a chemistry between these two characters. There's, there's <laughs> certainly between the actors, there's this chemistry. But this is not a romantic story. Like, it's, it's, it's like, there's, <clears throat> there's got to be some other explanation to it. Or like, and, and a big part of that was me looking at Kylo Ren as a straight villain. Yeah. Right. Like just a, just a black hat villain and not as the character that he is, um, mm-hmm. which is much more complex than that. Um, so at the time, that was the perspective that I had. So I can see how other people would not want it. Like it's a, it's a, it's an act of denial, right? It is because it, every single every single Star Wars trilogy has a like romantic plot point that's yeah. very central to the. You know, films. and you know what? Like my <laughs> eyes, my eyes were so dead set focused on on Finn and Poe. That yeah. as them being the Han and Leia of the sequel trilogy. Yeah. Um, and 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 uh, I, I used the word foolhardy earlier today, and I'll use it in reference to myself. Ever imagining for one second, not that <laughs> those characters could go there, because the characters absolutely could have. And I think that the actors would have been happy to take them there. We yeah. know that Oscar Isaac would have. He said as much. Yes. That he feels that's where it should have gone. Yes. Um, Disney doing that, I, before Rise of Skywalker came out, I would have said like, oh, maybe there's a possibility. The Mm -hmm. way that they treated the first on-screen gay character in Star Wars being a, a, a random kiss at the end of the movie that could be easily lifted out so that it can play in foreign markets. Mm -hmm. Disney is not interested in, in ruffling those feathers right now. And Like I like I get it. I, I I do understand it from the from the business perspective. I think that I think this is one of those places personally where uh where where the heart has to override the head and you need to you need to do what's right for society. Yeah. <laughs> and for, for pushing story forward um more than you need to do what's right for your investors. And and in doing the right thing, the the, the money will follow eventually. But um that kind of goes back to what I was getting at earlier with like the the not paying attention to the fanboys, but instead like looking for the success of the Last Jedi and realizing, okay, the fanboys who've been fanboys of Star Wars their entire lives, they might be upset right now. They'll mm-hmm. come around. Don't worry. They can't live without their laser swords. They can't yeah. do it. Like they, it's it's such a part of. I'll speak for myself. It's such a part of my identity that mm-hmm. even though I don't like Rogue One. <laughs> I still like Rogue One more than a lot of other movies. Yeah. Because I love yeah. Star Wars. And the third act of that movie is great, even if Jyn Erso's character completely 180s in it. <laughs> Doesn't matter. The The space battle is, I think it's probably the best space battle in Star Wars, right? If you're just looking yeah. from a totally technical it's really perspective, cool. it's so good. Um, and that's like that's the the truth of 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 a, a diehard Star Wars fan is that like we will find things in the prequels to love even if the movies fall short of of being 
great great films right like even if the performances are wonky or the 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 writing comes off a little bit weird at times Mm -hmm. will justify why samuel L. jackson's performances wouldn't (laughs) right we'll find reasons for it and the bar is very low yeah the the bar is very low um it's something that we talked about a lot like with what the forest recently was Mm -hmm. just it's very odd how much star wars fans are so forgiving it's very odd it's not usual in a bunch of other fandoms especially not in like other mainstream fandoms like marvel fandom is not that forgiving at all um but going back to like the marketing thing and how like a lot of people say that the you know the that kiss was easily lifted out for uh foreign markets like you yeah. said it always boggled my mind because you know kind of and also echoing kind of this feminine gaze thing that i'm you know i try to promote and the heroine's journey um chinese markets uh really love romance like yeah really love romance yeah. really don't like lgbt stuff they really do not like gay people and yeah. their stories um so yes that is understandable they wouldn't want that kiss in there however um redemption for their villains is like necessary by their mm-hmm. censors you know a, a a kiss between the same sex a same sex couple wouldn't make it past their censors but what else would have a hard time making it past their censors is a villain um that died without being redeemed yeah. somebody like palpatine in any chinese drama would have gotten redeemed even palpatine would have gotten yeah. redeemed yeah, and and that doesn't mean that he necessarily becomes a good guy Right before he dies, which I think is no. what people want to like, like that's what they think when they hear the term redeemed. But if I think of a lot of anime and, and, uh, right. and, and as well, like Chinese stories and stuff like that, they like, there's a there, definitely with an anime, I can, I can think of a, like at least five examples of a moment where a, a villain, like a, like a hardcore villain from the story in their last moments, like rolls a single tear as they yes. realize that everything that they've done was wrong. Yes. And then, like, and then oh my they're God. obliterated, right? Like, yes. That's such a, that is like, I can picture that moment. Yes. Um, for, for a character like Palpatine of like, of Ray showing him in that last moment, like you could have had everything that you ever wanted. Yeah. If you had embraced this other side, like you could have had, had, like, like, look at all the Jedi behind me. If we had gotten that moment of seeing all of the Jedi, they all are still here, mm-hmm. even though they're dead. And that's all Palpatine ever wanted was he legacy just wanted to live forever. And, to yeah. live forever. Yeah. and that's, that's exactly what Yoda and Obi-Wan achieved. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, like, like showing him that in that moment, it's like, if you had made different choices, you could have been this type of a person as well um and 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 him having that realization is enough to say this character was redeemed in the end Mm -hmm. even though everything they ever did was evil in in their final final moment they understood that they were evil and it's it's and that's a victory yeah that's the ultimate victory that's the forgiveness right like that's the and that's instead of it just being you can't defeat evil. <laughs> it's a yeah. It's, you can't, and, and that's talks a, about it in, in the Last Jedi, right? There, yeah. It's like, there's always going to be light and dark. It's always going to be life and death. Mm-hmm. The island is the Jedi Temple. It's the first Jedi Temple, if you want to like look at it that way. But there's still life and death on that island, right? Yeah. So. I I think that uh, visually for like the 
cinema um, for the, the film and the way that the way that Star Wars is told is all visual medium. You know, I, yeah. I love the I love the books, but I you know, it's just doesn't do, it doesn't do the same for me, honestly, yeah. as more visual things, even comics. I absolutely adore the the aesthetics for. But um, the drama of it the the absolute you know the, the, that that melodrama mm-hmm. the you know the soap the soapiness of some of that that is star wars that is all star wars and to have like like you said a villain roll a single tear or something yeah. you know with the original trilogy it was vader uh looking like this like I you know I, in one of my videos that's the worm baby thing yeah, which kind of goes the one back that I, to that's one of the ones that I just watched today yeah it was yeah like, it was, like that that stuff was so fascinating to me that aspect of it that that uh, he looks yeah. like a it looks like a like a baby like yeah. his head his round head his like strange skin it looks like someone that for a lot of women and and even maybe some men look at that and they say. I, he's pathetic like i want to take care yeah. of him i want yeah. to like i w- want to you, make sure he's okay him, right? yeah. you pity him yeah. yeah and i think uh the wonderful thing about star wars from the very beginning is just this idea of this melodrama and this family drama and this soap opera of it all um that a lot of guys totally disregard totally disregard mm-hmm. women women have always been there women have always been fans they've always loved it because those elements have always been intact you know they wouldn't they, like look at something like star trek yes there are women who who love star trek as well but um star trek doesn't really uh i don't want to say that it has it differently it's just different yeah. it's just very different star very- wars star wars embraces that uh epicness that embraces that yeah. drama of it and it's it's just very you know it's very classic it's very classically romantic and a lot of people don't see that and i'm like how do you not see that uh, yeah and, and I, I think i think uh, one, one of the things that i want to just say specifically for my audience is that when we use the word romantic in this context they we're not talking about boy girl it's not just about exactly romantic as in like a type of storytelling as in like an era that we're calling back to right they yes they they uh flash gordon and buck rogers are romantic stories because yeah it's very much the 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 it's there's a grandeur and a scope to it that makes it romantic it's a swashbuckling aspect right it's like the, uh, swashbuckling the, is a good yeah it's like a good that's, one to that's mm-hmm. the thing that they that that's one of those elements of romance that is uh that is throughout all of star wars even if you lift out han and leia's story love story from the original trilogy the yes. even like there's there isn't strictly speaking a uh, an erotic romantic element in the original Star Wars, but <laughs> there is the moment of the kiss right before the swing across the chasm, which is such a like Errol Flynn Robin Hood callback yes. intentionally. Like it's meant to be that that mm-hmm. moment of like a nineteen thirties serial or 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 romantic film. And, and, and what's so much fun about that is that, yes, it is that. And I think a lot of guys get hung up on the Easter egg of it, right? Like, yeah, oh, yeah. it's a callback to this movie, like you said, which is which is a great thing. It's a great thing. But you add on those other layers of, you know, character development that occur mm-hmm. in, like, the later films and whatnot. And you start and, – and, of course, 
every layer creates more meaning for the for the layer that was below it so you go yeah. back and you watch it differently and things tend to just kind of pile on and that is the romance of it all it's mm. not just like the kiss and the swing of the rope it is what does it mean for those yeah. characters what does it mean for their journey like you know like there's a the conversation between luke and leia when an, um they're on, they're on indoor and they're talking about their father is very romantic mm-hmm. but it's not like it's not like romantic between them two it's just that it's a yeah. romantic scene it's got beautiful music sweeping in the background it's got beautiful aesthetics behind them leia's hair is down it's you know partially braided and then it comes down and she's wearing a dress and like we don't get to see that often you know yeah. and so it's just like this it's it's beautiful it's yeah. romantic well, and that, that's the that to me is the scene where we get to see the most of of luke's feminine side as well which is a side that, yeah. that we don't we see a, actually i i think that we see a lot of it in a new hope and then in empire yeah. there's a the influence of han solo is felt on the character of luke skywalker as he tries to have um, a, a, a macho bravado about him like he's a hero mm-hmm. um, only to realize by the end of that story that being a hero isn't isn't all it's cracked up to be and yeah. he even goes into Return of the Jedi with like the the Jabba do what I say or I'll destroy you like he's still he still hasn't quite learned that lesson until he talks to Yoda and Yoda's like you're still not getting it <laughs> right mm-hmm. and it, and they and as Yoda dies he kind of imparts some of that information and he's like because he's like you know if you when you confront Vader you'll be a Jedi he's like I am a Jedi then and he's like <laughs> no he's like you're still looking for that adventure part yeah. and then it's after that when when he started to wrestle with the idea of what he has to do he has to confront Vader it's something that he's avoiding when he comes back and he says I'm with you too. Like I'll, I'll come on this next adventure. It's not the adventure he should be on. Then yeah. his, he should, he shouldn't have even gone back to the Alliance. He should have gone mm-hmm. directly to Vader from Dagobah. Yeah. Right? In the way that Ray goes directly to Kylo Ren mm-hmm. from Octo. She's, mm-hmm. she is his superior in every aspect. <laughs> it's one of the things that the fanboys can't handle is that yes. Ray does it better. Every time she yeah. makes the right decision where Luke often makes the wrong one. Um, Mm -hmm. which is something that Luke realizes. And that's why he has his change at the end of that movie. Yeah. But on the, on the ship, as they're passing on to Endor, he has that moment where he's like, I shouldn't have come. I'm endangering the mission where he's, Mm -hmm. he's not just talking about like Vader senses me, but he's like, this isn't, this isn't right. This Mm -hmm. isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. And, and it's like, he's having that realization. And then it's when he talks to Leia and he connects with his feminine side, quite literally, because it's his twin sister (laughs) that he's like, he's like, I, I think I finally understand what I have to do. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and he has that moment where he like very literally is like, do you remember your mother? Because what he's really asking is, do you remember my mother? Because yeah. this is a part of me that is missing. Yeah, right? exactly. And she tells him, and it's at that point that he's like, I have to go. I have to confront Vader. Not because I have to destroy him, but because I have to try and redeem him. I have yeah. to save him. 
because because we had a mom and and that was his yeah. love and yeah. that was probably someone he loved which means that he is a human which means that he is capable of loving like we put these we put all these things together in yeah. our minds while we're watching this film without any of it having to be said yeah because yeah. we all have those experiences we don't need it to be said because we all have those experiences which kind of you know brings me back to this idea that when women watched the last jedi they saw ray and like you said making all these right decisions Mm -hmm. what we saw was her getting beat up emotionally and spiritually she got beat to a pulp more than luke did spiritually I would say that, and yeah. I and I can and I can prove that to you, you know, forwards and backwards, and however which way you want me to explain it. But the last Jedi was all about Rey, um, it, going through trials, but in this very spiritual way, and we, you know, we 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 saw that we resonated with that mm-hmm. so much, and not only that, but you see those parallels with Luke, and you see her going into her own cave and you know, wrestling with with Kylo Ren and wrestling or with Ben in those moments, you know, in those ways that's like like sparring with a with an individual that is making both of you stronger and it's making both of you smarter. And like all of those were so like like uh I think you mentioned this before we started recording, but it's Pride and Prejudice and it's mm-hmm. you know, it's those feminine stories that we hold so dear to our hearts it's those things you grew up with that you know you're like hey this is for women this is for me and i like this and guys don't get it and that's fine because it's for me and then you watch it on the screen and something that's like star wars and you're like wait a second (laughs) this is for me um but that's you know, and like I, you know, it, it, yeah, there's I, the the parallels are there. It's still Star Wars. It's always been there. It was just that it was bringing us to some kind of solution, some kind yeah. of you know incorporation in a meta way. It was that the franchise was going on a heroine's journey. Yeah, that's what I thought. I, I thought the franchise was going on a heroine's journey. It was finding a way to reclaim that feminine, that femininity. Um, yeah. And to incorporate both of those sides with Ben representing the masculine and Ray representing the feminine and having those two characters come together in the end to to balance the universe. That's beautiful. That's romantic. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I, you know what? Like, I honestly could talk to you about this forever. I, I, I and like we've <laughs> the, 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 the places we went in this conversation were this is this was. I am happy and fulfilled because this is exactly what I was hoping was going to happen tonight. Oh, I'm that glad. On the podcast. So uh, that was awesome. But I'm going to say in the sake, uh, like for the sake of, of leaving everybody wanting more, uh, <laughs> myself in particular, let's, let's wrap it up there. Yeah. Um, and I, but, but with a, a, with that, the classic tableau at the end of a star wars movie that just really says to be continued because i want to talk about so much more of this um in the i'm future always movie. down i we never got awesome. to talk about um yeah there's some things we didn't get to talk about but i knew that we wouldn't be able to get to a lot because yeah. this is so there's so much to go into with this there's a lot. honestly there's a lot. But, i think uh, i think the the the, the parting thing i want to leave everybody with 
is, mm-hmm. a, is very similar to what I've been talking about a lot this last month or two is, is, um, like be open to this stuff, especially if, if you're, you're one of our male listeners, which I think the majority of you are, um, if you're listening, if you've listened to this far, I think that you are open-minded, but, but it's take it a step further and, and push a little bit farther than just being open to the story and being open to, um, because we talked a lot about like this is like you you specifically t- talked a lot about this is what women were resonating with. Mm-hmm. I like I really hope that they people can take my example and um, and realize that it's not just about making a Star Wars that's for women, right? It's not just about like oh we have to like there has to be Star Wars that's that that women like as well. Like there's stuff in in the heroine's journey in in feminine gaze stories that is good for men as well it is important and like it it'll feed you in the same way that spaceships and blasters and lightsabers are gonna feed you like it it it, but but it's a different part of you that's probably not getting enough nutrition right now based on the way that everybody (laughs) behaves on twitter so that's yeah. kind of the, like to me, that's one of the most important things. Um, and it's one of the reasons why I've been going on this journey with faster, more intense, taking advantage of of Matt being busy and doing other stuff to uh, <laughs> to to publicly just uh, go on this this uh, I guess it's a bit of a heroine's journey of my own. Right. Yes. Um, and uh, <laughs> and and it's it's awesome because I it's I'm more connected with Star Wars than I've been in a long time. But it's also it's having positive effects in my life in general. So I mm-hmm. uh, go back, watch The Last Jedi again after listening to this episode and <laughs> and just like soak it in. That's my advice to everybody. Um, Ty, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I where can where can everybody get more of that great content that you just gave us tonight? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh wit underscore folly and that's spelt w-i-t underscore f-o-l-l-y uh you can also follow me on my personal account at black underscore t-y-m i do have my own charts for the heroine's journey and the hero's journey if anybody's interested in seeing kind of my breakdown visually of what those steps entail um that you know i like absolutely love talking about that kind of stuff on Twitter as well. And then you can also find me on my YouTube channel at wit and folly <laughs> spelled the same. So yeah. Awesome. Uh, well, you guys know where you can find me. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at ArkWolf, A-R-K-W-U-L-F. Uh, I'll ask really quickly uh, if you do follow me on those, on those places, if you can like share some of my art, cause I'm uh, I'm putting a lot of work into it and putting a lot of effort into it right now uh, and really enjoying it, but I want more people to see it. Uh, and I, 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 we're, we're kind of taught that we should be ashamed to, to, to ask people for help in spreading that stuff. But I've heard from <laughs> a few other creators. It's like, no, if you want somebody to retweet something, just tell them to retweet it. Yeah. Um, so th- self-promote, so, self-promote. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I like I'm I'm kind of telling my own stories with with Ben and Ray and Finn and Poe and actually I've started sketching tonight. I I I'm I'm going to show a little bit of where I uh, Rose Conix and their uh, their their third wheel uh, Beaumont kin are <laughs> are at in in my version of the ongoing story of Star Wars. 
Um, so Love that's it. something to look forward to. But yeah, just go to go to my go to my Twitter and find my art. It's pinned. Uh, the the my Raylo adventure story is is pinned on my Twitter. So that's at arkwolf a r k w u l f um, to to find that stuff. Uh, with that, uh, thank you everybody for listening. Thank you again, Ty, for being on the podcast, and uh, and we'll see you guys next week. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Star Wars FMI. If you like what you hear, you can support us in two ways. First, by heading to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merch, or by heading to patreon.com thunderquack to kick in with your monthly pledge of support. Your pledge gets you early access, exclusive podcasts, and more. Thanks for listening, and may the Force be with you. Faster More Intense is part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Head to thunderquack.com for more great podcasts.